my dream is to send people home, like be more a rehab facility than an assisted living home. Because you get so many walk in the door the first day and say, I don't want to be here. I want to go home. Mm-hmm. And, and I get it. Uh, my parents have walked in my home and said, you got a beautiful home here, Al, but don't ever think of putting us in here. <laughs> you know, and they're in their 80s. So yeah. I understand what people want and I want to give it to them. Welcome to Aging in Style with me, Lori Williams. I'm an optimist by nature, and I believe you can follow your dreams at any age. My grandmother's journey with dementia ignited a passion in me to work with seniors. I've spent the past 13 years learning about seniors and aging. In my mid-50s, I followed my own dream and founded my company, where I use my expertise to help seniors locate housing and resources. On this podcast, we cover all aspects of aging. Join us each week to meet senior living experts and inspirational seniors who are following their dreams. The fact is, we're all aging, so why not do it in style? Hi, welcome to today's episode of Aging in Style. So a few weeks ago, I received an email from this gentleman, Hal Cranmer, and it was so funny and so clever. It was um, a video made by residents of his care homes, and it was by Queen. It was a Bohemian Rhapsody parody, and I'm going to share the link to it because it was so funny, but it was all of the residents like changing the words to about, you know, their ailments and going to the doctor and different things, but it was just hysterically funny. So I thought we have to have Hal on the show to talk about that. And then also to talk about what residential care homes are. And we've covered it before, but it was probably early on in the podcast, I think one of the earlier episodes. So I think it's time that we talk about it again, and then also talk about the way Hal's doing it because he's doing it a little bit differently. So welcome, Hal. Thank you, Laurie. It's really great to be here. I really appreciate the invitation. Sure. Well, I'm so glad that um, you sent me the email because I really enjoyed that video. (laughs) Hal owns um, a paradise for parents, and he has five care homes in the Arizona area. Tell us the cities that it's in. Well, they're all around Phoenix. There's kind of suburbs of Phoenix. We have three in Surprise, Arizona, which is an interesting name. And then one in Goodyear, Arizona, and one in Mesa, Arizona. But they're all surprising Goodyear in the northwest side of Phoenix and Mesa's in the southeast side of Phoenix. Okay. And we're going to get into your background and how you decided to go into care homes. But first, tell me about this um, parody that you did. What led to that? Okay. Well, we really try to do a bunch of activities with the residents that are that are fun things to do. We'll take them to local attractions in the area, restaurants, movies, events. We've got an Air Force base that puts on air shows. We take them to stuff like that. Uh, But we thought we'd do something a little more fun with them and we wanted to involve the families. So we came up with this idea of, hey, let's do a music video. We floated it by the residents, the families. They all loved the idea. So I got a, a video production company that was actually started by a friend of my son's. They both went to Arizona State and My son's friend majored in film and started his own film company. And so I said, do you want to bring some kids over and we'll do this? And he loved the idea too. So we brainstormed, rewrote the lyrics. I went online and found a musician who could record Bohemian Rhapsody and sing the new lyrics. Actually, he's in England, believe it or not. And so he made the soundtrack. And then we just broke down scene by scene what we do. And we spent about three weekends inviting all the families in, um, talking to the residents. We had makeup, we had props, all that kind of stuff. 
And then we had a bunch of kids from Arizona State come in to do the filming, obviously not in the same order, but we took a weekend at each home and took a bunch of scenes, filmed them with the families. And then this video production company put them all together, edited it. And uh, it's just been very well received. We even, mm -hmm. I even sent a copy to my uh, inspector from the Arizona Department of Health, and then she showed it without any pushing for me, she showed it to her big staff meeting to all the other inspectors <laughs> and said, this is absolutely fantastic. So we got a few kudos from the Department of Health, which was great. But when we showed it to the residents and had a big screening with them, they loved it. Hey, can you rewind that? That's me. I want to see me again. I'm, <laughs> I'm famous. And they were calling their families out of state, everything and say, you got to watch my video. <laughs> so it was a huge hit. We were we were really excited and we're, we're planning to do another one. We did it right before COVID and then when COVID hit, it shut it all down. But we want to do another one now. Oh, well, I can't wait to see it because you did a great job. It is, I'm, I'm going to post it because it is so cute. I want everyone to see it. And you can tell that the residents had a blast. Oh, they did. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so who wrote the words just out of curiosity? Did you uh, write it? Well, you yeah. did a good job. Thanks. I've always had fun doing that, just making up stupid lyrics to <laughs> popular songs. And I thought, okay, I'll, I'll give it a try. We, the film crew altered a few of the lyrics just to make it work with the filming a little better. But mm -hmm. overall, it worked really well, I thought. Oh, that's great. Well, let's get a little into your background, because I find that also very interesting, because you're not from healthcare, you're not from senior living, you've had um, some other careers. Tell us a little bit about your background. Well, I started off my professional life graduating from the U.S. Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs, thinking I was going to be an Air Force pilot for my entire life. Um, I went in the Air Force. I flew uh, C-130s for the Air Force Special Operations Command, was in Kosovo and Bosnia and all that kind of stuff, and had a bunch of adventures there. But I came home from a deployment, and my two-year-old daughter didn't recognize me when I picked her up, and she started mm. screaming. So I said, mm -hmm. okay, enough of this. I don't want to watch my daughter grow up on, back then it was videotape from mm -hmm. a tent in the Middle East. So I got out, I joined an airline, what was known as US Air back then, they are part of American Airlines now, but flew for them for a couple of years, and then 9-11 happened, where they laid off pretty much half the pilots in America after 9-11, and I got caught in that. Um, there were no flying jobs, and I didn't want to go back in the Air Force uh, after 9-11. So I went into manufacturing, got a job in Minnesota, where my wife's from, and was in various manufacturing jobs for a long time. And I flipped houses and did some rental property investing on the side. And another rental investor said, hey, you should look into assisted living. We always wanted to move down to Arizona. We loved it down here. I went to flight school in the Air Force, at an old Air Force base that's now a regional airport down here. And um, I went to a course down here and found a realtor who had a whole bunch for sale. And I bought them and we took the plunge, came down here, quit my manufacturing jobs up in Minnesota. And we've been here ever since. And I did it initially as an investment, to be honest, but I've just fallen in love with it and just have a huge passion that the people that I work with as residents, the caregivers are like my family now and the, um, and the families are wonderful. The residents have such incredible stories. They're eyewitnesses to all kinds of history. And, and it's just really an honor and privilege to 
be able to take care of them after all the stuff they've done in their lives. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, your passion shines through. And I always love that when I'm talking to people and can see in their eyes and their face when they talk about what they're doing and how they're working with seniors. And, you know, you just, you lit up when you mentioned that. So it's interesting, like you, you saw more of an investment, but as you got into it, then you, you learned what it was like to work with seniors. And we talk a lot about that in the senior living industry that once you work in senior living, you might leave the industry, but most people will come back because it gets in your blood. I mean, there's just something about working being with seniors, serving seniors, and, um, you know, it's just, it becomes a passion and a way of life for sure. Yeah. And when they appreciate you or, mm-hmm. or say that you've really helped, it just, it makes your day. It's just wonderful. Yeah, it I does. I always tell my wife, it seems like kids are wonderful and cute and everyone loves kids, but the seniors seem neglected by a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And what, what you hear in the news and culture in the senior industry is when there's cases of abuse or some horrible senior got scammed or defrauded or something like that. You never hear the good stories. And, Mm -hmm. and there's so many incredibly good people with so much passion for this industry and they don't get anywhere near the recognition they deserve. And it's like no other industry. And I've been in a bunch. Have I seen people who just love doing this? Mm -hmm. And it's not an easy job. It's not. And then I say this to people all the time, and I just had this conversation earlier today, that caregivers, that that is a thankless job in a way because they're not paid that much, but they obviously, they do it because they love it. And they should be recognized instead of, like you said, we hear the negative stories on the news, but there's more positive stories of caregivers just going above and beyond and, and caring for these seniors who, you know, they may be changing, changing them, bathing them, you know, so taking care of all their right. needs. At 3 a.m. on a Friday mm-hmm. night exactly. <laughs> or Saturday morning, I guess. Yeah. I tell people I'll work late and it'll be Friday night at 8, 39 at night. And I'll feel, start feeling sorry for myself. Like, wow, it's Friday night. I'm working. Well, those caregivers do that every Friday night and every Saturday night mm-hmm. <laughs> on Christmas Eve, <laughs> on New Year's Eve, you know, the night before yeah. Easter, on Easter. And it, you just realize, wow. I tell my caregivers, there's a caregiver gene Mm-hmm. In some people, and, and some people have it, and some people don't. Mm-hmm. I 100% agree with you on that. So, tell us about care homes because we on the show we talk about all the different types of senior living that there are. You know, we've talked about active aging, independent living, memory care, and care homes is it's you know rather. I don't want to say new because care homes have been around for a while, but they're new to people who don't know senior living, who have not looked for senior living. So tell us, you know, explain what a care home is. Okay. You know, we were talking a little before the show that it might be different state by state a Mm -hmm. little. So I'm going to give the Arizona perspective. I think most of it's probably similar. And it seems like Arizona, Texas, and Florida seem to be the big states that have them. Mm -hmm. Uh, Other states have them, but not nearly in the density that these states have. Yeah. Our homes are residential homes. Like if you drive by them in a neighborhood, you would never know it's a care home, except maybe when we're having a party and there are lots of cars outside. Mm -hmm. But they're basically a residential home that we've remodeled and converted to add a whole bunch of bedrooms and bathrooms to um, care for residents. In Arizona, 
you can be licensed for up to 10 residents in a care home and all my care homes are 10 residents. Once you get to 11, you're considered a, a center and then there's different rules and, and things that apply and it's more commercial zoning, things like that. And then you go up, you know, the sky's the limits of beds. So because, you know, we, we are in residential neighborhoods, homeowners associations don't let us advertise on the street. And in most of our streets, you wouldn't see it unless you were going to it because you mm -hmm. don't, they don't have a lot of through traffic on the street. So there's no sign outside or anything like that. We have normally two to three caregivers there during the day. We have caregivers there 24 hours, seven days a week, 365 a year, but two to three caregivers there during the day. The third will come if it's a busy day, like we have a lot of baths going on or we have a party going on or, or things like that. Um, but at least two, and they'll stay from about the time they wake up to the time they go to bed. And then we'll have one caregiver there at night that checks on the residents every two hours because you never know if a resident falls out of bed, knocks himself unconscious. We don't want to discover that in the morning. We want to mm -hmm. discover it as soon as possible. So they'll, they'll check on them. The residents all wear beepers. We provide pretty much sort of the club med package. We for one monthly fee, we supply 24-7 care, all their medications, all their meals, all their bathing, health care, hygiene. Uh, we coordinate with lots of different services, whether that's home health, uh, mobile physicians. It's amazing what's mobile these days. We've got dentists that come by in an RV and they have a dentist office in the back of the RV, so we can just roll them out of our home to that. X-rays podiatry. We have chiropractors that come. Uh, we have psychologists that come. So if it's a specialist, like a neurologist or something like that, we have to transport them to that office usually. But if it's any other kind of testing or ongoing care, they can come to our home. Hospice will come into the homes um, as needed. And, and we've had a lot of success of getting people off hospice. Um, in terms of level of care, you were talking about all the different kinds like independent, assisted living, memory care, all that. We're kind of one size fits all. We have residents who are very active, just might need some monitoring during 24 hours. And then we have some, you know, that are bed bound, advanced dementia, hospice, things like that. And we, we still try to include them. We still want them to feel like that they're just not isolated because of their condition. But it might be we have to go to their room rather than out of the room. We also do a lot of activities. We take them out. Like I said, we go to air shows. We go to the state fair. We've taken them to a boat ride on a local lake. We've taken them to uh, Halloween pumpkin carving. And we'll do some of that in-house, too. We have a bunch of churches that are wonderful about bringing volunteers over. And they, uh, they'll play games with the residents, hang out with them, talk to them, things like that. So... We want them to feel like it's their home. Um, we don't have visiting hours. So we tell the families our, our visiting rule is the golden rule. Treat all the other residents as you'd want their families to treat your resident. And they can come anytime they want. Just don't come at 11 at night with a mm -hmm. bunch of kids just straight from the ice cream parlor hooked yeah. up on sugar. <laughs> so be respectful. And far and away, the families are respectful the more the families come in, the happier and healthier, quite honestly, the residents are. So we highly encourage that. We have some families even take their residents 
home for the night for the weekend or take them to a restaurant or, or things like that. And the residents, you know, just love that. I mean, a lot of care homes do what you're saying, but I think that you've kind of taken it to the next level, quite honestly, with the activities and the involvement of your families. Do you find it that way in the Arizona and your area? Because I know in Texas, we do in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, we have a lot of care homes and a lot of really wonderful care homes. But most of them, and maybe because there's they're like maybe own one, two or three, you know, there's not a whole lot. There's some that own, you know, five plus care homes, but maybe it's because they're smaller. They don't, they're they're not able to do all the activities and outings and those type of things. So do you find that you're a little bit unusual for your area or is that kind of how Arizona is? Yeah, I think we are. No, Arizona is a lot like Dallas. Yeah. I get a lot of feedback of you guys do a lot more than any other care home I've seen, especially Mm -hmm. the referral agents tell me that and everything. There are fantastic care homes all around Phoenix and they do some activities and stuff. I don't know. I'm, I'm an energetic guy and it's just hard for me to see them all sitting around and they really enjoy it. I try to do a lot of it at very low cost because I know a lot of families are stretched to pay the, for the services in our home as it is. So I want them to not feel like, oh, I have to keep my mom home from this because we just can't afford it. So I try to do, you know, movie outings aren't that expensive or going to dinner at a local restaurant. We don't go to Ruth's Christ, we go to mm-hmm. like the local hole in the wall Mexican food or something like that. Um, but we, you know, in terms of like a zoo outing or something, I try to negotiate the rates and all the transportation for it. I highly encourage the families to transport their loved ones. So okay. we're not paying for that transportation and everything. Gotcha. So we really try to keep the costs low. Mm-hmm. And, and the church volunteers obviously are, are free. So that helps a lot as well. And mm-hmm. I, I invest a lot. I spend money on it. We have a personal trainer that comes and exercises everyone five days a week. And I pay for him. Um, I include that in the cost because I don't want people to go, I can't afford it. I don't want my mom to exercise because mm-hmm. I want your mom to exercise. Sure. Absolutely. So, so, um, so that I don't want that to be an impediment to it. And Obviously, he's working with doctors and physical therapists and things like that. But my dream is to send people home, like be more a rehab facility than an assisted living home. Because you get so many walk in the door the first day and say, I don't want to be here. I want to go home. Mm-hmm. And, and I get it. Uh, my parents have walked in my home and said, you got a beautiful home here, Al, but don't ever think of putting us in here. <laughs> you know, and they're in their 80s. So. Yeah. I understand what people want and I want to give it to them. Obviously, we're not going to have that big success rate doing that. But I have sent six people home in the time I've owned this that got well enough that they no longer needed us. So if they want to work at it, I want to support them 100% because I think if I can do that on a regular basis, I'm going to have no end of business. Mm -hmm. So whatever, even if I can't get them home, I can get them well enough that they can go out to dinner with their family or they can go home for the weekend. I had one guy rent one of my caregivers, the family rented one of my caregivers and took her and the guy on a cruise for like 10 days and Mm -hmm. then came back. So she got to go on a a cruise and she was paid to take care of him while they were on the cruise and they had a wonderful time. So that kind of stuff is just 
thrilling. And I, I would love to do more of that. Mm-hmm. I, I love those stories. And I've had those stories too, where we had someone who was not doing well at home and then they moved into a care home or an assisted living and they started, you know, having the social interaction. Their medications were being given to them as they needed to be. Um, they're getting good, healthy food. And then we just see them just flourish. And in some cases, they are able to go to independent living or to return home. And those are the those are the stories that we all want to see. Oh yeah. I think there's there's a huge potential to do that. Mm-hmm. I'm still figuring out how to do it. But it's it's such a great feeling when when people see that. I see it a lot when people come from hospitals too, because a hospital, nothing against hospitals, they they work very hard to heal the sick, but people stay in their bed the whole time they're in hospitals, and you know hospital food isn't something everyone flocks to go crave. So yeah. when they come to us, they just haven't had much activity. If we can get their blood flowing again and do some activity and not be sitting in by themselves in the hospital room. They're interacting with other residents, caregivers, their family again, all that kind of stuff. It makes a huge difference in their mm-hmm. health. It does because so a lot of it is, you know, it's, it's mindset too. And if you're in a hospital room by yourself, that is not exactly motivating and can, you know, lead to depression. And Oh, very so- much so. Tell me, um, just kind of going back to the transportation, because I had wondered how you did that, because that is kind of the problem with a lot of care homes and that that they don't go on outings or things like that is because they don't have like a bus, like a assisted living, you know, these big assisted livings they, and memory cares, they have buses and transportation. So for your transportation, the family will actually provide the transportation. Is that is that how it usually works? Right. If they can get in a car, even wheel them out to the car and then pivot them in the car, we'll have the family do it. I looked into getting a van, like a wheelchair accessible van, and my insurance broker said, please don't do that. (laughs) The the insurance would be sky high and Mm -hmm. and all that. So I capitulated and said, I won't. But I told the families, come with us, load your residents in the car. And I have like a big Ford Expedition, just my family. So we'll, we'll load them in that as much as we can. I will also, their local rental agencies that have the, the minivans with the wheelchair accessible ramps that come out. So I'll work with a family and I'll put some money into it too. And it, it's like $100 a day or so, 120 or something like that. So we'll, we'll rent a van and we can fit two of them people in those. We just try to get creative in how we're going to transport them. We have a, a transportation company we contract with that brings people home from the hospital and can do wheelchairs and stretchers and stuff. And we'll use them if it's a big outing and everyone wants to go, but uh, they're kind of still expensive, even though I get better rates since I give them all my transportation business. So we'll try to avoid that as much as we can. And we try to keep the trips short because long car rides are, I mean, I'd love to take them up to like Sedona, Mm -hmm. but uh, long car rides are hard on them. So a lot of it's very local short trips, but just getting out of the house is to a movie theater is thrilling for us. Oh my gosh, of course. That's huge. And I know you said y'all are going to go see Tom. Top Gun, right? <laughs> your next week, yeah. <laughs> great. <laughs> well, I have to. I'm an ex-military pilot, so I got to go see that. That's going to be fun. That'll be great for them because they're actually with a pilot. <laughs> oh, yeah. I asked them about it. They were all thrilled. I mean, we, we have a bunch of veterans in our homes, and mm-hmm. I love serving those guys and gals. I like that. 
That's wonderful. So I, I I think a lot of what you're saying, and and just in my opinion, it sounds like you just really think outside the box. And I think that's so cool. And I wish more people did that because you, you know, doing the, the parody, doing all these outings, and you're just finding ways to do something different to just add value to the lives of the seniors you're caring for. And I think that is just wonderful. Yeah. When I got in this industry and I toured a couple of places that everyone was just kind of laying down or laying in the living room in a recliner watching TV. And I just swore to myself, I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. I, if I was that age, I'd want to still right up until the end, I would want to be doing stuff. In fact, one gentleman I had <laughs> told me the way he wanted to go was to be shot jumping out of a bedroom window by a jealous shot by a jealous husband when he's jumping out of bedroom window. And I'm like, well, we're going to have to work on that one. <laughs> no, we can arrange that. He goes, well, I'm not, re- I'm not ready for it yet anyway. So I'm like, that All is right, hilarious. Well, let's, let's wait. You let me know at this time. <laughs> yeah. Oh my so gosh. I, I think we grow older and we, our body changes and we can't do everything we always used to do. But a lot of times the mind doesn't change and you're still that 15 mm-hmm. year old kid wanting to, take on the world kind of and where that did is, the time go? That's so. 100% accurate. And we talk a lot about that on the podcast. And And I've had just the pleasure of interviewing people in their 80s and in their 90s. And that's what comes across is, is that we really need to pass this on to our society that, that we know the value that we should be placing on our seniors. And it's incredible to me to be able to talk to an 87-year-old, to talk to a 97-year-old World War II veteran. And these people are still, in many cases, making a difference, writing books. I mean, they're just incredible people. And, you know, that's just really a message that we need to share with our society. Because I had the pleasure recently of taking a 101-year-old lady to a spring training game because, you know, Arizona. Yeah. We have a lot of spring training. We went to the Royals and Mariners, and she actually played softball in the 30s when she was growing up. So, so cool. she was just riveted at the game, just mm-hmm. loved it. And, you know, just seeing that, it just makes your day. It's, That's it's amazing. So what was that Tom Hanks movie where it was about the female softball players? Back like in the 30s. Oh, I know what you're talking about. A League of Their Own. Just League of Their Own. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I bet she was one of those. That was her. Yeah. Yeah. That is so cool. But that's what's neat. I mean, I have I have the direct great 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 something grandson of John Quincy Adams in my home. No way. I, I have a guy who made a fortune flipping cattle ranches in northern Canada, you know, in the 50s. Mm-hmm. I I had a guy who was a POW in Vietnam for five and a half years, uh, you know, shot down out of his plane. I had a guy who participated in the Berlin airlift. I mean, it just, the stories are just amazing. And it's eyewitness to history. Mm -hmm. And how cool is it? Yeah. Yeah. How cool you get to meet these people and serve these people and hear their stories. Right. We do little videos of them telling their stories and then give those to the family. And they, they love oh, wow. that too, you know, cause then they keep the memory forever. Yeah. And, what and a what's great really idea. Is, even after the person passes away, 
our families are still coming back to our home to help out and when there's a party or, or an event or you know give a ride to someone if we take them to the movies or something like that and and those families can we're, we're talking about maybe setting up support groups with those families who had loved ones pass on sort of help the ones like you're writing that book to help them we could have those those experienced families help the ones who are new to all of this and we thought that might be another great avenue to pursue it really feels like you're you're creating a big family or community of just wonderful people and it's it's what we live for you're obviously doing something right if you know the families are coming back and they're wanting to remain a part of it i mean you you're doing it right for sure how? Well, my caregivers do a lot of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, but you're you're setting the example too. So, and coming up with all these great ideas because you're doing a lot more, doing things differently than a lot of the care homes that that I know. And I, I know some wonderful care homes in our area. But um, you know, one other question to ask you is, how does it work with food? So, do you have people? Do you have food catered in? Because I know some of our care homes do that. The food is catered, and some cook the food there on site. So, how do you, how do you do that? My caregivers make the food. I've been looking for caterers. In fact, we I just signed up with a food distribution company, which coincidentally my daughter works for, mm-hmm. um, to deliver sort of food in bulk. But unfortunately, <laughs> their commercial trucks can't deliver in residential neighborhoods. So. That went by the wayside. They mm-hmm. have a distribution place that we can pick up food, but generally mine cook. I would love to figure out a catering thing because I'd love to have my caregivers work more with the residents rather than spend their time in the kitchen cooking. Mm-hmm. But um, we haven't found one that, that makes sense economically yet. Um, I'm looking into that. But I also, I'm a big fan of nutrition helping residents. Mm-hmm. I, I think... Um, a lot of the reason many people are in our care homes is because of diets that haven't been the best, to say the least. So we really, there's there's an argument of, hey, my mom's 85, she's at the end of her life, let her have what she wants. But also there's an argument of, well, what she wants might be not to lay in bed all day watching TV because she's sick, right? So... Yes, we all love cake and ice cream, but let's just not really bring it up that often and mm-hmm. see if she misses it. And so we we do a lot of vegetables, we do a lot of like smoothies, fruits, lean meats. I try to cut out a lot of sugar and processed foods and and things like that. And and we've seen remarkable results combined with the trainer exercising them of people moving from being in bed bound to wheelchairs, wheelchairs to walkers, walkers to walking. Um, and, and when they can do that, then they can spend more time with their family, go out and all of a sudden having that soda or having that sweet dessert isn't nearly as important as I get to go see my granddaughter graduate from college or, or something mm-hmm. like that. So. With the food, you know, we have the caregiver shopping and stuff like that, but I really try to emphasize we have it. I've been working with some nutritionists and some naturopathic doctors to how can we feed them well that maybe that can alleviate some of their chronic conditions and things like diabetes, you know, doing that brings their blood sugar readings way down. We've got people going off insulin and even going off metformin, things like that. We see a lot of inflammation go down. 
And it's really convinced me that there's a lot more than just making sure their medications are scheduled at the right time to to help in them. And Mm -hmm. that's what I want to do. Yeah, because you're helping them to feel better by having proper nutrition and exercise so that they're having a better quality of life and whatever amount of years they have left, but it's going to be a higher quality. They're going to feel better. And who wouldn't want that? <laughs> Absolutely. And we don't try to force it. If, if they want to eat the way they want to eat, we'll, we'll do what we can, but mm-hmm. we try to hide it from the other residents if they're doing that. You know, Arizona doesn't allow us to serve them alcohol at all, but we have had doctors prescribe one beer <laughs> before bedtime or one glass of wine before bed. And we'll, we'll do that for them mm-hmm. if that, that's what they really want too. So it's a, hey, we think this would be good for you. But if they fight it, say, okay, fine. And birthdays and holidays and everything, it's kind of goes out the window and, you know, mm-hmm. here come the kids with the cookies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, fair enough. Yeah. Every once in a while is fine. Just not every single day. <laughs> exactly. We just recently had a guy say, I want a plate of donuts. So plate of donuts. He got a plate of donuts, but we said, sorry, that's going a little far. We're not going to give everyone a plate of donuts here. A plate so of donuts. That's hilarious. <laughs> that really doesn't sound good to me, actually. But if that's what he liked. No, it sounds awful. But yeah. Yes, we wanted. Too funny. Well, um, this has been such a pleasure to talk to you and learn about your care homes. And, you know, like I said, you really like got my attention with that video. I just, you know, I watched it a couple of times and just laughed. I thought it was, I mean, I thought it was great. It was funny, but it was also so great to see your residents enjoying themselves and doing something so out of the box and so fun. And I can't wait to see your next video. So when is that one coming out? I'll send it to you. We're, we're in the planning stages right now. It's probably going to be two or three months, but I'll, mm-hmm. uh, I'll make sure to send it to you. And, and I love what you're doing. Thank you for having this podcast and thanks for writing the book or I don't want to commit you to that, but I have committed myself. Uh, so yeah, I okay. am doing it. <laughs> All right. But yeah, any information we can get out. Cause it's, this is so such a hard thing on families when when they have to figure out what to do with the parents and make sure that the parents are getting the best care they can. Mm-hmm. And, and any information we can get out to them is is so helpful and it, it's so needed. And and I really appreciate what you're doing. So thank you. Thank you. And and I mean residential care homes. I think it's so important that we spread the word that this is an option and this may be the best option for your parent to do a care home, which is smaller rather than to go into a larger assisted living. And everyone is different and and what's going to work for them. But it's nice to have options and to know about the options. And like there's no signage in front of a a care home. So you don't know if you're driving through a neighborhood that, oh, this is a a care home. You have no clue. So it can be a little more challenging to find them. Yeah, I would say if someone's looking, the reasons you might choose a care home over a, a larger facility, A is price. Generally, care homes are a lot lower priced than than large facilities. B is more like a family atmosphere. I think we have a better ratio of caregivers to residents. And it's much more, like I said, we've got families coming over all the time. They're helping out. We have volunteers in the neighborhood. It's not like a big resort hotel. You feel like you're in a home, which you are. That's one I hear that families like it much more that they can get a lot more involved in what's going on 
and you know it's in a residential neighborhood it's not like a big commercial traffic and highway right next to it or anything like that so those are the reasons i see that someone might select a care home over a, a larger facility a lot of the larger facilities are wonderful i'm not trying to knock them at all i just they're different animals and mm-hmm. and everyone has different ideas of what they want yeah and it's always nice to have those choices and and those are the same exact reasons i would would give too like the differences between a care home and a, a larger assisted living so well i so appreciate having you on and having you share what you're doing, which like I said, I think it's just very out of the box. And I like that, that you're doing it. And we will share your YouTube video. Um, we'll see if we can put it on my website also so that people can go and see it, but we'll, we'll get it out there. We'll put it on Facebook too, because everyone needs to see the video. And as always, thank you all for listening. Thank you, Hal, for being on. I really appreciate you taking time to, uh, to spend with us. Thank you, Lori. This has been wonderful. I really enjoyed it. Sure, you're welcome. And as always, guys, to find all the podcasts, to find information about senior living, you can go to my website, which is lauriwilliams-seniorservices.com. We'll have the podcast there and plus all of our other 90-something podcasts that we've done over the past two years. And please share this episode with friends so that you know we share the word about care homes and this other option that is out there. We will talk to you next week. Okay, bye-bye.